This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Well, welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest, Marie White. Marie, thank you for taking us on your career journey. Thank you, Greg. I'm glad to be here. I feel like there should be one of those cheering crowd sounds in the background, like, yay! (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we find out what you're actually doing today, let's start at the very beginning. And could you tell us, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a writer. Wow. Straight out of the gate. Wanted to be a writer, huh? A world traveling writer. Now, what prompted that? Like, were you a little kid and your parents were writers? Or did you meet someone that was a big influence? What prompted that desire? I think I just had a big imagination as a kid. And then I just would write down, you know, ideas and and write these little books. As far back as I can remember writing books, even my mom will tell you that when I was about three or four, she was helping me write a book about horses. Oh, really? Did you live on a farm or did you just like horses? Nope, I just like horses. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what was one of your favorite subjects or hobbies in school? History was one of my favorite subjects. Okay, so history. Now, did you take to writing in school as well or was that further down the road? I did. I loved my English classes. Um, History was the most fun because I loved hearing the stories. But writing, of course, was something that I enjoyed doing. And I still remember some of the things that I wrote even as a junior high or high school student. Oh, that's really cool. I don't think I have any of my old stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what was your first job? When were you got a paycheck and feel like you had some responsibilities and wanted to perform well? First job was at a fast food place, but it was a mom and pop fast food place. So it wasn't even somewhere like a chain like McDonald's. It was called Burger Den. And um, I got to put into place all the things that I had learned from the greats like Zig Ziglar, who talked about hard work and really just doing more than you were asked. And that served me well there. I I was given a raise right away. So that was great. That's awesome. What a name, the Burger Den. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what they sold there. Did they, yeah, I wonder what they, did they have like bears as a mascot or anything uh, like no, that? No, they did not. They did not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we learned a little bit about what you wanted to be when you grew up, which was a writer. So tell us, what do you do today? Well, today I'm a writer. <laughs> hey, look at that. That That's awesome when things come together nicely like that. <laughs> but I didn't think that was what was going to happen. I actually um, went into the Air Force right out of high school and was a mechanic for the B-2 stealth bomber. Oh, that's really cool. Okay, so you went, yeah, if you would, work us, walk us through your career journey there from high school and kind of take us along your career journey to becoming a writer. Well, ironically, when I graduated high school, I was very lazy, which kind of is weird considering that was not my story at Burger Den, but um, <laughs> I did not want to fill out scholarship applications, so I decided instead to go into the military because that's what lazy people do is go in the military, <laughs> right? I mean, just sit around all day, no. So I did that, and I didn't want to go into something traditionally female. I was like, no, I want to do something kind of cool, so I became a mechanic, and I ended up being a mechanic for the B-2 stealth bomber, which meant I was at a base where you couldn't even touch the plane with your hands because if you got any of the material, the paint that was on these special stealth bombers under your fingernails, you could potentially sneak that to other countries, and they could figure out how the stealth bomber was made. Wow, that's really interesting. I had no idea that was the protocol for that. That's cool. Absolutely. 
family was very hush-hush, top secret um, stuff. We had people like um, the president, Air Force One would land there, um, governors, things like that. So it was a very um, interesting experience. It wasn't all that exciting in some ways because just like being a spy might mean that you have to do a lot of uh, paperwork and not as much chasing people, um, being on something like that, there was a lot of, because it was a show base, there was a lot of times we were cleaning everything up to make it look perfect for the dignitaries that would walk through. Oh, wow. Okay. So it wasn't always exciting. (laughs) (laughs) You found that out quickly. Okay. (laughs) I did. And it wasn't until after I had children and 20 years into my career, after getting out of the military and after having children, that I became a writer. So now what were your first steps to becoming a writer? Step one would be writing. (laughs) (laughs) you do have to write to become a writer um no just really that that really is it 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 began with sending emails to people um some things happened in our family and we ended up i ended up communicating with people via weekly or or sometimes multiple times per week emails and these emails read almost like a chapter of a book and people started writing back and saying you know this email you wrote about what was going on with you guys really touched me and it impacted my life and as i started getting more feedback like that i started realizing that when i was writing, I was actually impacting other people. Mm, and it was probably very therapeutic for you as well, I would imagine. Absolutely. Now, if you would, could you go over some of your books that you've written and sold and some of the other stuff you're doing? Yeah, I have um, eight books out right now um, that have come out in the last four and a half years. Ten, if you count the other um, languages they've been translated into. One of them is called This Book is for You, How to Find Your Passion and Purpose from the Mother of an Abducted Child. Um, another one is called uh, a children's book called Sophia Wants to Write a Book, and that's a book that kids actually write themselves with our dog, Sophia, who guides them through the process. She kind of starts each chapter and then um, kids and adults both actually um, finish the chapters off for her. So it's a really fun way to write and have your own book. Four and a half years ago, our toddler was abducted. And that's kind of what began the journey to do all of this. I mean, at that point, I was a stay-at-home mom, staying home with my children. And from there, became a YouTube star and started a podcast and wrote books. And all of this stuff has happened from that tragedy. And I think that's something that a lot of times we don't, we overlook that. There are so many great authors and so many great people who have begun their journey because they went through something really hard. And I know you're listening have gone through hard things and are sometimes living through hard things still. And that can still be a stepping point to reaching out to other people. So your journey to become a writer, was it the getting over the tragedy, seeing how you affect other folks through the written word? Is that kind of how your career journey began and you kept on building upon, you know, where you found an audience through this tragedy? Well, it's kind of odd because it it started out in the the weirdest way about six months into this event happening. I really just was crying out to God and saying, what do you want me to do with this pain? I mean, there's a reason I'm going through this. You could have stopped it and you've allowed it. So why did you let it happen? And then because you let it happen, what is it you want me to do with it? Because there's got to be some reason for this. And the first thing that came to mind mind was something I had been thinking in my head for two years. And that was that I should do a YouTube channel called Bible Stories for Adults and take new adult Christians through the Bible in little short two to four minute videos so they would understand what was what was being said at church. And that began six months into that. I mean, I had no experience on YouTube. Your listeners will actually have way more experience (laughs) recording things than I did four and a half years ago. And I did not even know like how to use my phone other than to take a picture of a kid and, and, 
you know, text it to my husband. I mean, other than that, I didn't know how to use it. And my beginning videos were so bad, like shaking, pretty much hyperventilating. <laughs> they were awful. But by I, video 110, I was pretty good at it. Yeah. And I think that's a really great point. It's like, if, if there's something you want to do, just go ahead and start. It might not be perfect, but you're taking a step in the right direction to do what you want to do. And then you'll get better as it goes along. So yes. case in point, my podcast, this is, you're going to be around number 51, 52. So I guarantee number 51 or 52 is much better than number one or number two. <laughs> <laughs> it's so. true. And really that's the same thing with, you know, uh, people when they have an idea, your listeners, as they're thinking of ideas, or I want to try this or do that. Sometimes you just got to put it out there. People will forgive you for putting out bad content. In other words, something that's not produced perfectly. The lighting wasn't quite right. You know, the the sound wasn't all that great. They'll forgive you for that if you have a really great message you want to share. Whatever that is. If you're doing tricks with your um, skateboard and you're making videos of it and the first couple of videos aren't that great, people will forgive you for that because eventually, like you said, number 50 is going to be much better. <laughs> but if you just wait around to get much better, that's not going to happen. Right. And you have quite an amazing journey because you had this point of tragedy. You, you started uh, sharing with others. You start becoming a writer and now you're a YouTuber. And then you said you also became a podcaster as well and a speaker, correct? Yeah. <laughs> so how did, was that just, did that just step one upon the other and just kept on growing? It really does. And there's a funny um, statistic. It's people that, um, what, what is it? Something about when somebody, oh, when they have money, they, they get more money. It's like the mm. richer you get, the more money you're kind of handed. And it sounds weird. And you think, how can that be? Most of us, you know, don't start out having a whole bunch of money, but it's kind of the same thing. It's when you start writing or when you start YouTubing or podcasting at first, there are hardly any opportunities and you grab whatever opportunity you can't. This, you know, one opportunity comes, you're going to grab it and go for it. But as you start doing more, more opportunities start coming your way. And it's not the law of attraction and it isn't that you manifested it to happen. It's that you start looking for things. It's kind of like when you get a red car, everybody seems to have a red car. Right. Yep. You start seeing them. Right. So the same thing. If you start your own YouTube channel and it's skateboard tricks, then one day when you're doing nothing and you've got some time on your phone, you might start looking at other channels that have skateboard tricks and you start looking at the 10 top ones. And then as you're looking at those 10 top ones, then you notice there's the same sponsor in all of them. And then you contact that sponsor and little by little, you start doing things to make your channel better. But it's because you start researching more into what it is you're passionate about. So it does seem like your career as a writer has really become more of a holistic social media. I mean, a lot of different things to it, which is a really cool aspect because you almost have to be in all those spaces at once nowadays, don't you? You do. And that's really what can put somebody above the crowd is when you're doing multiple things. People sometimes want to have me on their show because I write books and they want to talk about a particular book or about the writer's journey. But then other times someone will say, well, I'd like to have you on the show to talk about what it's like to start a YouTube channel or what it's like to start a podcast or what it's like to um, speak on the TEDx stage. And so it gives people more opportunities to have you on their show or to be interested in you if you have multiple things that you're doing. Right, right. And now how do you spend most of your time today? Do you spend it writing, YouTubing, speaking, podcasting? How would you break that out? <laughs> <laughs> most of it is writing. And actually, most of it is in the writing world and in the publishing world. Because as I began on this journey and had put out about six books by that point, um, 
I had learned the publishing industry so well and had worked independently publishing as well as traditional publishing. That means with another company publishing my book mm -hmm. um, that I then knew the industry well enough to now offer things to other people. I would go on their shows and I would be talking with them and I'd look up who the host was and see if they had a book out. And if they did, I'd look at it on Amazon and I'd see, oh my goodness, like the interior is terribly formatted. The cover is awful. Looks mm -hmm. like it's from the 1980s. This description doesn't tell anything. And so after the show, I would say, hey, how's your book selling? And right. they would tell me, you know, it's not. And I, so I would talk with them and say, well, these are the things I noticed. And eventually, just from talking to people like that, it became a publishing company. I was just talking with people, giving them friendly advice. And then it became hey, I actually have something to offer people. Yeah, and that is another facet of what you do as publisher. And I do find that fascinating. How did you phrase it, republish or rebranding your book that's already been out? So I do both. I started out with the book overhaul service where I would um, overhaul someone's book and put it out like it should have been put out to begin with. But that's also great because if someone had a book that came out two years ago and they really want to you know, rebrand it or relaunch it, they can now do it. And it's like a fresh new book. There are a million opportunities for writers. I mean, really, absolutely is serious that if you are interested in writing and if you can write well, there are endless opportunities. I mean, I turn down so many opportunities because people are hurting for good writers. And one of the things they will ask is for a good copywriter also. So if you are good at writing, you are head and shoulders above the crowd. So don't give up on that. That's great. That's great. And that will feed into a question we have here in a second. As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. If you are an educator or a student, you can search for podcasts by Career Cluster and additional resources are under the resource tab. So you told us what you wanted to be when you grew up and what you actually do today, which are the same, which is really <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so looking back, what would you do differently? What would I do differently? I knew this question was coming, and yet I feel unprepared for it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, think, I think I would, and I actually encourage people now to do this, I would arch my back a little bit less. I would be less um, resistant to things that people offer. Like people will tell you, well, you should do this. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to do that. Mm. You know, you should go on social media. I don't want to do social media. You should write for this. Oh, I don't want to write for that. You should, you know, start whatever. I don't want to do that. That was always my first response was I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and that always meant that I had a delay in actually doing whatever it was. But I ended up doing whatever it was that people suggested. Wow. So you, because, you, you would have said yes faster. Yeah. Yeah. I would have really evaluated why did I say no? And, you know, or why was that my initial response? And then gone, maybe there's some merit because that's what I ended up doing in the long run. Like it might take me a week or two weeks, but then I'm like, oh, you know, I really should look into that. And I really should look into things to begin with. When someone recommends something, I really should take a moment and go, why am I resistant to that? Why I was resistant to social media because I didn't want it have have it to be a time sucker. Right, right. And it yep. is a time sucker. <laughs> it is totally. <laughs> but there are ways to get around that. You can limit your time. You can, you know, make your post offline and then just pop it on real quick and not be on very long. There are ways around that. And I should have thought of those first before I just said no. Right, right. Wow. Well, now let's make the assumption someone in our audience wants to do what you do, to be a writer. And let's look at this, including the other aspects of what you do. Uh, what advice would you give them? Is there a typical career path? And I know you kind of talked to this a little bit about writing, but what, what advice would you give them? I would say if you can read and read well, then you can literally learn any skill. Social media, smartphones, and computers actually stunt your brain's ability to learn new things. So people who read actual books and spend time in the library or a bookstore, seeing what's out there as far as book knowledge will be in the top 10% of people on their age group. Wow. 
So that means that if 10 people are applying for a job, you'd be the top person considered if you're a reader. It actually makes you a better speaker. It makes you a better proofreader because you don't even realize it when you're reading a book, but your mind is inputting that picture of the words into your, you know, into your mind, your eyes are. And so when you see a sentence that's not written correctly, somehow your mind goes, wait a minute, that's not written correctly. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, reading, it, it has huge benefits beyond what you can imagine, just beyond just entertainment value. I don't care what you read, but the more you read, the more you're going to be head and shoulders above everybody else. And that impacts how you write. And audiobooks totally count, but that, you know, that would be an addition to reading. Right, right. So you mentioned the need for writers right now. What would your advice be for someone who wants to get their foot in that first door as a writer? Would it be like magazine copy? Would it be your local newspaper? What would you recommend? Everybody has access to different um, things. So you might contact your local newspaper and never hear back from them. So then you'll get discouraged and you think, oh, you know, I tried and nobody wanted me my work or whatever. And it's just because they're overwhelmed as well. If you want to write, you definitely need to write. So that would be, if you feel like starting a blog, start a blog. If you want to write long Facebook posts, you can write long Facebook posts. Um, Twitter is excellent for honing your writing. One of the biggest things I learned is that it's great to have a mentor. And if you're able to be mentored under somebody who is a famous writer, that's of course even better. And a lot of them right. have courses, mm -hmm. sometimes not even expensive courses. Right now there's even, what is it? The masterclass program. So there's masterclasses by all the famous writers and screenwriters and everything like that. If you just type in masterclass and then you'll, that'll pop up and, and you'll show you some different classes They're like a hundred dollars a year. Right. Right, or $100 unlimited. Yeah, so not expensive. But when you're doing that, one of the things I did is I um, joined a class like that under Jerry Jenkins, who is the award-winning, number one best-selling writer of the Left Behind series. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things he taught me is that you need to chop off or omit needless words. And that's what Twitter makes you do. Mm. Twitter, because of how short it is, it makes you rethink your words to really get down to the heart of the matter. Just take away any word that doesn't actually work, isn't needed, I guess would be right. the best way to put it. Right? Absolutely. And you're not going to write a whole chapter in Twitter, but it's great for you know a couple of lines. You put them in there, you realize I'm five words too long. I've got to chop those out. What do I need to take out? It's a great way to learn that skill. So you could just do a Twitter account where you're doing that. It would help you to hone your writing skills. And if you started noticing people were liking or... Um, um, sharing different posts that you had on there a lot, you'd realize, oh, people really like it when I talk about this. Maybe right. that's what I should write about in a book or an article or something. Like it kind of breeds on itself. So that's a great way to get started because there's people that use way too many words and you don't want to be that, but you also don't want to be somebody who subsists on emojis and LOLs <laughs> and things like that. You want to use actual words. Right, right, yeah. And speaking of which, you, you mentioned who was your mentor or what was the class that you took? Uh, my mentor was Jerry Jenkins. Okay, and so that was through an actual program class that you could sign up like a master's class yeah online and he still has it it's um jerry jenkins writers guild okay awesome. and you can join in that and he will you know as he does his live things each week or whatever he'll chop up somebody's paragraph and he'll show you how to take something that kind of meanders everywhere and turn it into something that's really hard hitting wow Okay. That's really cool. Well, now, is there any particular, like if they want to go to college, college degree would recommend just straight up English or would there be something else? There is a big push right now because of how, how popular writing is. There are um, master's degree in, in fiction writing, um, it's like MFA, things like that. A lot of places are coming up with degrees to go along with people's interests. I actually would not recommend any of those. Mm, okay. What they're trying to do is capitalize on how quickly technology is changing. 
So part of these uh, masters of fine art, that's what it is. Uh, masters of fine art in writing or fiction writing or comic book writing or whatever. I, I'm sure there are people that succeed with that, but more often than not, it's not the way that the successful people have gone because these are all very brand new degrees. Right. What they're trying to do is teach you social media, um, promotion, book marketing, writing, everything all in one course. And you're going to spend, you know, $60,000 going to school to get that. Really what you need as far as degrees is an English degree mm -hmm. or um, another, you could get a business degree or something like that. I'm leaning heavily on English in that as you're taking your different courses. I really would not recommend those courses because by the time you get through that, everything that they're teaching you will have changed. <laughs> that's very, that's very true. I actually <laughs> just, just interviewed a director of technology. He said, everything that we're using today will be uh, non-existent in three years. Right. <laughs> so, but English will not be. Correct. Yep. And that will also give you opportunities for other things. That means you can go into journalism. It means you could go into, um, you know, copywriting. It means you could go into um, uh, teaching many different things. It gives you a wide variety of options while still giving you the most solid foundation because right. that's what people are missing. Right now, a lot of people cannot write the English language correctly. Right. I could I could see that. I'd struggle just speaking it correctly. So I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, are there any current projects you're working on that you would like to share? Yeah, current projects, just um, more publishing. I've got some really great clients that I'm working with. Mrs. California is coming out with her second book and uh, Abe Cruz... The beauty pageant, Mrs. California? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, she published her first book with me last year, and her second book is coming out this year. And um, one of my books is being translated. It just came out in Russian, and it will be coming out in Spanish this year. Wow. Now, what's the name of that book? That is Strength for Parents of Missing Children, Surviving Divorce, Abduction, Runaways, and Foster Care. Okay. And so that's happening, which, of course, then means everything I've learned about social media, I now have to use in the Russian language and in Spanish. So <laughs> Good I'm, luck with that. I know. Learning how to do all that. Oh, my heavens. And I don't speak Russian, so that doesn't isn't helpful. Um, but, you know, the, really, the possibilities are limitless for your listeners. I really just want to stress that, that people who can write well are in huge demand. Right. Okay. That's at McDonald's or at Panera Bread, people need people who can write well. Right. Well, let me ask this because I'm just curious. So why Russia? Why is that one of the first languages you're getting translated into? Oh, that was awesome. Actually, a family read Strength for Parents of Missing Children as soon as it came out. I mean, like it, they were one of the first people to pre-order it and have it signed and sent to them. Um, two chapters in, the person who was reading it called her mom and said, Mom, you have to read this book. This is about our family. Even though they mm. didn't have an abducted child, they had an adult child who um, who had, had been struggling with drug addiction. And they felt like that the, the feelings were the same. And so they read it and they said, oh, my gosh, we're from Russia originally. We need to have this translated into Russian. Wow. Okay. That's really that's really cool that you made that connection with them like that. It's amazing yeah. what happens. <laughs> that's why I'm right. saying opportunities happen. <laughs> yeah. If you would have known a year ago, hey, I need to translate this into Russian, you probably would have said no way. <laughs> right. Exactly. I was in my no, and then it would have been a yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, as with most journeys, success largely depends on reliable transportation. And we don't know each other, but I'm a huge car enthusiast. So could you please tell me what was your first car? Car. My first car, uh, International Scout, 1974, Ooh. maybe. Wow. You might just have the record for the coolest first car. That's really <laughs> cool. So well, now this is the 
off-road sport ute. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It would have been, that would have been what it was used for. My father and brothers used it for hunting and I got it, you know, whenever they were not using it. Sometimes that meant there might be a pigeon head in the underneath the seat, <laughs> whatever. So um, yeah, that was my car. And it was painted Barney purple because that's the color that the local painter that we knew was able to mix together with all of his leftovers so that it could be painted. <laughs> That's a great story. So did you think it was a really cool first car or did you totally hate it? I actually thought it was pretty cool. It was really tough. Oh, yeah. Rough ride, drives like drives like a truck. Yes. Right? I mean, you felt like you were safe. You're like, well, if I make a mistake, I'm going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, you, you might not be able to get that Barney Purple again. You no. know? So. <laughs> it would have been a collector's edition now. <laughs> That's right. That was a custom paint job. Well, what is your dream car if you have one? I'm not really a car person, but I do like the look of the Jaguars when I see them going around. I'm like, that's a really nice car. Okay. Well, I can help you out with that. So I picked <laughs> out a cool company car based on your job as a writer. So I tend to do a little bit too much research on this and I did the same for yours. Ooh. I wanted to try to take the way you were able to turn a tragedy around and really affect people in a lot of different ways. I actually found a car that has the same kind of story. So for you, I picked out a 1969 Dino 246 GT with chairs and flares. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Nope, but it sounds really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually a Ferrari, a 1969 oh, Ferrari, oh. and it was technically not called a Ferrari, but Enzo Ferrari, the patriarch of Ferrari, he named it after his son who passed away early from MS. He passed away at the age of 24. So it was a way to pay tribute to his son. And it was called the Dino. That's the name of his son. And so it ended up being one of the most beautiful, one of the most amazing Ferraris ever made. And I and it's called the Chairs and Flares. I got you the cool one because chairs, it's the cool, uh, the cool seats with cool stitching in them called Daytona seats. Ooh. And flare, yeah, and flares. It's got wider fenders, so it looks really cool. So it's a way that he honored his son. His son actually helped design it, design it before he passed away. What's interesting, though, is they didn't actually put Ferrari on those cars until 1975, I think, 1976. It was really interesting nowadays when you see a Dino, and I'll send you a picture of it. When you see a Dino, everybody put the Ferrari name on it, the badging, because they wanted everybody to know this is a real Ferrari. <laughs> but uh, it was just interesting. So I tried... Tried to pick something that's somewhat related, and that's the one I came up for you. So if I had all the money in the world, that's a cool company car I'd buy for you. That's amazing. I love that story. That is the perfect car. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yes, and it reminds me of the show Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. That's Have a great seen show. That? Yeah, with Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. It's probably it's probably he has probably had that car on there at some point. So I'll yeah. I'll do some research and send you some more information. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for taking us on your journey. What's the best way our listeners can learn more about you and all that you're doing? Well, thank you, Greg. I'm glad to be on. They can reach me, and actually they can get a free book for you and your listeners at Marie White Author. That's Marie White, it's like the color, author.com. They can get a free copy of Changing Your Life in Just 10 Days. And they're also welcome to go on there and tell me their story. Oh, that's great. That's a great idea. I love that. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much for taking us on your career journey today, Marie. Thank you so much, Greg. I appreciate you having me on. Keep up the good work. Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at Greg Stanley LFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.